Amen. Let me start by reading Mark 16, 15. For those of you that have been in the church for a while, this isn't a new scripture. This isn't a new passage by any means. It's probably one you've heard before. And, and most often than not, we hear this passage of scripture on a missions type of month. That this is, a lot of times we can think this, this passage is for missionaries where it says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This is not just for missionaries. This is not just for pastors. This is actually the mission statement of heaven. It's the last thing that, that Jesus says to the disciples before he ascends to heaven. He says, hey, this is why you're here. This is why you're on planet earth. That if you are a believer, you are called to go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Spread the gospel of Jesus. That there is a God that loves you and cares about you and desires a relationship with you. That is the good news, is that we need a Savior and we have a Savior. We have a God who loves us. And this is what we are all a part of. We are all part of this mission statement, this mandate that we have been given as believers is to go and preach the gospel. You don't have to go around the world to preach the gospel. You can do it right here in Lee Summit. You can do it in, in Kansas City. This is your mission field. Collectively, as the body of Christ, this is what we've been called to do as the church. We've been called to go into our communities. We've been called to go into our workplaces, our sphere of influence that God has given us, and we have been called to spread the love of Jesus. We're not just on autopilot while we're here. We're not just going through the motions. If you are still on planet Earth, regardless of your age, doesn't matter if you're 80 or you're 15, if you are here, you are part of the mission statement of heaven. Which is to go and preach the gospel everywhere we go. Every person we encounter, doesn't matter if it's Starbucks and it's the individual at the drive-thru. Right? You can share the love of Jesus in that moment. You're like, well, I don't know what to say or, or how to do that. Sometimes just a smile can do that in our culture today. Right? Sometimes just being nice to an individual is like, wait, there's something different about that person. And every single one of us in this room, every single one of us, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not a mistake. There's not an accident. He knits you together in your mother's womb, and he has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And at the end of the day, that is what we've all been called to do, is to go and spread the gospel wherever we are, whatever workplace and environment that we're a part of. It's where Jesus left us, and it's where he wants to find us. Matthew 24, 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. We are part of God's plan to redeem the earth. We are part of his mission. You and I, you don't have to have a degree in Bible to spread the gospel. 
This verse isn't just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries or church planners or evangelists. This passage, this mission statement from heaven is for every single individual in this room. And if we are going to reach our communities, if we're not just going to go through the motions and play church, but we're actually going to have an impact in Lee Summit and Kansas City, it can't just be Pastor Scott who is excited about spreading the gospel. It's got to be every single individual in this place. We've all been called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. To redeem the earth. And I believe there's, there's three dangers. There's three dangers in the church today that would keep us from fulfilling the mission statement of heaven. There's three dangers that would prevent us, that, that would hinder us as believers, as the church, to actually go out into our communities and spread this gospel. The first danger is this. It's the danger of consumption. The danger of consumption. What I mean by that is, is we can oftentimes get in this mindset and this mentality as believers where we just want to gain more and more and more and more information. We show up week after week after week. The word of God is preached. We go and we said, man, that was a good message. Now where am I eating for lunch? Right, and we just... We can just kind of get in this, this routine. We can kind of get in this, this rut of I'm going to show up every week. The word's going to be preached, and I need more and more and more information. Is this consumer mentality that we oftentimes as believers can bring into the church, that if I just show up on Sundays, then that is enough. If I just hear the word of God, I can listen to a YouTube, a podcast, whatever it may be, and this consumption, this danger of consumption can actually hinder what we've been called to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with information. There's nothing wrong with obviously hearing the Word of God. All those things are important, but we live in the information age. What does that mean? You can know anything about anything in the matter of moments, right? Right here on the cell phone. You go to Google. You go to YouTube. I can become a mechanic in about 30 minutes. And I've tried it before. And it usually ends up costing me more money to actually bring it to the mechanic. But I at least know what, what that sound is, right? I don't have to go in and say, hey, it's making this sound. Now I can say, hey. The alternator's going out. The battery's not charging. Do I know where the alternator is? No. Right? But that there's, a, there's a danger in that. There's nothing wrong with information, but the danger comes when all we do is consume more and more and more information because what happens is in, in the consuming of more and more and more, there's actually no practice of that information that is taking place. The practice becomes in the consumption. So we're gaining all of this information. We're showing up week after week after week. We have this consumer mentality where I need to get fed and I need to, to just get more and more and more information, but I'm not actually going to do anything with it. I'm not going to apply it to my life. 
James 1, 22 through 24 says it like this. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. That as a church, as a community of believers, we have been called to not just hear the word of God, but to actually apply the word of God, to actually do the word of God, to not just be hearers, to not just know what this means. And yeah, I've heard the verse of, of go into all the world and preach the gospel, and we can trick ourselves and deceive ourselves into thinking because I know it, that means I'm doing it. And knowing and doing are two separate things. And as believers, we have been called to hear the word of God and to do the word of God, to apply it to our lives, that it's not just going through the motions, that I'm not just getting more and more and more information, but I am walking this out day in and day out. We see it in Scripture. They're called the Pharisees who knew the word of God, who studied the word of God, but they did not live it out. They did not actually practice the word of God. And church, we have been called to be doers of the word, to not get stuck in this consumer consumption of more and more and more information. If I told my son Oliver, hey buddy, I need you to go and clean your room. I need you to go and clean your room. His room's a mess, stuff all over the place. He's like, okay, Dad. He goes to his room. I come in his room like an hour later, and, and he's sitting in his messy room, and he has his iPhone out, and he's watching YouTube. This is a made-up story for all of you judging me, thinking my five-year-old has an iPhone. He does not have an iPhone. This is a hypothetical situation. He has his iPhone out, and he's watching a YouTube message. I'm like, hey, bud, what are you doing? You know, I asked you to clean your room. He's like, oh, dad, you're not going to believe it. I found this message on YouTube, and the entire message is about cleaning rooms. <laughs> oh, cool, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Figure out the best way to do it. I leave, come back an hour later. He's in the room. He's sitting with a group of friends. They're in a circle, sitting just on his messy room floor. Hey, bud, what are you doing? Dad, I invited my friends over. We're having a small group. <laughs> cool, bud, what are you guys talking about? Dad, we're all talking about what it would look like to have clean rooms. <laughs> hey, that's great, dude, but can you, can you clean your room? I leave, I come back an hour later, he's not even there. I call him up on his iPhone, his made-up iPhone in this hypothetical story. Hey, bud, where you at? It's really loud in the background. Dad, I'm at this conference. Cool, buddy. Dad, you're never going to believe it. The entire conference is about cleaning rooms. Awesome. You guys get where I'm going with this. 
I come back in his room. He's back home now. He's got his laptop out. He's typing away. Bud, what are you doing? Dad, I'm writing a book. (laughs) Wow. What's your book on? How to clean rooms. Yeah, but buddy, you've never actually cleaned your room. You're still sitting in a messy room. Yeah, but dad, I know how to say clean your room in Greek. Church, we cannot just be hearers of the word. We have to do it. We have to apply it. We can't be consumers. We can't be individuals that show up week in and week out and just get stuck in this danger of consumption, that it's about how much I can get, but I'm never actually going to do anything with it. If your communities and your workplaces are going to be reached for Jesus, we have to apply what we hear. We have to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. We have to take the information and actually do something with it. There is a massive danger of consumption in our church culture today. And we cannot be a part of it. We cannot get stuck in, in that routine of just getting more and more and more. Danger number two. The danger of comparison. The danger of comparison. Remember, these are all things that will prevent us from spreading the love of Jesus. These are all things that will prevent us from, from being part of the mission statement of heaven. The danger of comparison. Comparison is is one of those traps that the enemy has put out that just kind of keeps you frozen where you are. You can't really move forward when you're stuck in comparison. Right? You don't really, it's kind of like it almost just paralyzes you. Because you're constantly comparing to other individuals. You're constantly thinking, well, I can't do that. Or, man, look, at least I'm not as bad as them. And there's just this this trap of comparison that the enemy wants to put us in. And, And Scripture actually tells us that there should be no comparison at all in the body of Christ. Because God actually created us different on purpose. He created us different on purpose. And now the enemy wants to come in and try to take those differences and pin us against each other. Because let me just say this, when you're so busy comparing, you have no time to celebrate. Comparison will rob you of celebration. I can't celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life. I can't celebrate how God is using them because I'm just comparing myself to them. So instead of celebrating one another as the church, we compare with one another. And comparison just keeps us in this trap. It keeps us paralyzed. It keeps us frozen to where we're not actually able to fulfill what God has called us to because we're so worried about what God has called everybody else to. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 22 says it like this. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. I think I might have just skipped some there. Did I skip the last line? Sorry, I'm reading from the screen. Can you go back one slide? There it is. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Now you can go to the next one. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So how God intended it, how he created it, is that you're not supposed to look like the person next to you. You're going to have different gifts. You're going to have different abilities. You're going to have different passions. And that's okay. That's how he designed it to be. We can't all look like Pastor Scott. Somebody say amen. <laughs> if we were all Pastor Scotts, this community could never be reached. Because you add an element that he doesn't have. He adds an element that you don't have. And that's what's so unique and beautiful about the body of Christ. It's when we individually come together with our different passions and our different abilities and our different calling and come together as the body, then we can reach our community for Jesus. But it starts with you and I individually owning our call individually owning who we are, who God created us to be, then collectively we make up this beautiful body. Each with different parts and different functions and different passions and, and different abilities. And if you are stuck in comparison, it's because you don't really know who you are. My parents always used to say this to us as we were leaving the house to go to school. I'm one of five kids in, you know, public school, so most of our time was taking the bus. We'd, we'd line up until our oldest could finally drive, and it was like, oh, sweet, we get to drive to school now. For the longest time, it was where we're taking the bus, and every day as we're leaving, they'd always say, remember who you are. Remember who you are. I mean, if we brought any issues to them or problems, they'd say, remember who you are. And I'm like, Mom, I just want a haircut. It's like, well, why do you want a haircut? Are you trying to be cool? Are you trying to fit in? You need to remember who you are. I'm like, no, mom, the hair's just over my eyes. Like, I can't see any longer. I just need a haircut. Right? But it seemed like every issue, and it just kind of got to the point where it was annoying, but now I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to instill inside of us that you are a unique individual, and that's okay. You need to remember who you are in Christ. You need to remember that you were created with a reason, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're not a mistake, that you were knit together in your mother's womb. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Remember who you are. Because when you know who you are, there's no time for comparison. There's no time for comparison. Instead of comparing, we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to believe for one another because their success is not our failure. But we need to remember who we are. Who God created you 
to be. And if you are still on planet earth, he is not done with you. He is not done with you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender, your, your job, your family dynamic. If you are still here, he is not done with you. And he uniquely created you. He specifically created you. The enemy is, is trying to, to take this value of life just out of our culture today with this whole uh, abortion stuff that, that is going on. And, and we think it's just this, this woman's rights movement. It, it's not. The enemy knows exactly what he's doing. He knows if I can devalue life early on, if I can devalue life early on, if a baby does not matter who is in the mother's womb, well, the Bible tells us that he actually knit us together in our mother's womb. The Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in the image of God. And so what the enemy is trying to do, he knows if I can just get at them early on and devalue life, then the reason their existence for being here is going to be devalued as well. Because if life doesn't really matter, if there's not really a price on life, if it's just like, yeah, I don't want that baby so we can just throw that baby away in a sense, then what that does ultimately is that devalues your purpose. Because if we got to choose who lives and who dies, then the creator of the universe couldn't possibly have a plan and a purpose for my life. The enemy does not want a church where the members are individually owning their call and collectively reaching a community for Jesus. He wants you to stay stuck in comparison. He wants you to stay stuck in consumption because a church that is in consumption, a church that is in comparison, is not a church that's reaching its community. And ultimately what those things drive us to is this third and final danger. It's the danger of complacency. It's the danger of complacency, this, this danger of, of apathy, of I'm just merely existing. I'm just going through the motions. You know, we, we, we can have this, this mindset, in, and especially in the American culture, that I just, I'm just here just to try to live the American dream. Right, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. I'm, I'm working my job. I'm having my family. I'm having the house and the fence and, and the dog. And, and I'm just merely here just to kind of blend in and go with culture. And complacency makes us forget that we are here for a reason. Complacency makes us forget that we, there's actually a passion inside each and every one of us that we should have every day. We are not getting up for our nine to five. We're getting up for the plans that God has in store for us. But there is this massive danger of complacency that we're just going to play church. We're just going to go through the motions and complacency happens because if you are in this consumer mentality of getting more and more and more information, well, there is endless information in the world, so you will never have enough. 
So you are, you are on an impossible mission. And if you're stuck in comparison, you're never good enough. You're constantly comparing to the person next to you, and you never will be good enough. So because you can't get enough information and because you will never be good enough, you just kind of go back into this complacency of I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm just going to play it safe. And as believers, we need to have a a passion. There needs to be something inside of us, a realization, as it says in, in Matthew 5, that I am the light of the world. That I am the light of the world. That is why you are getting up every morning. This relationship with Jesus that is incredible and amazing. Think about that. The creator of all things we get to walk with day in and day out. Complacency should not be a word used when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. It should be, I am passionately in love with Jesus. He saved me. He's pulled me from this situation. You don't understand where I was and where he pulled me from. And now the rest of our lives, we are excited to spread this love everywhere we go because we're growing in our relationship. We're not just getting information and then not applying it. We're not just comparing from one person to the other, but we are passionately pursuing Jesus and complacency and apathy should not be any emotions that we should have in the church because we are never just going through the motions we are on mission we're part of something much greater than ourselves there is a purpose and a plan for this community there is a purpose and a plan for your workplaces and your families, and you are the light in the darkness. You are the light in the darkness, the light of the world. It doesn't happen outside of you and me. There's not a plan B or a plan C. We are God's plan to redeem the earth. And if we just get stuck in this complacency bubble, or I'm just going to, there's, there's this big movement right now in the church of we just need to kind of hide from culture. We just need to get around other Christians and only be around other Christians and, and kind of be, be in this comfortable state where, where we're only talking to other Christians. The, the, the culture is too far gone. The dark is too dark. And we can get mad at the dark for being dark as the light is over here cowered in the corner as we all just kind of get in this bubble of complacency of let's just go through the motions until we make it to heaven. That's not why we're here that's not why we are on planet earth we are the light in the darkness and at some point we have to stop blaming the dark for being dark and start blaming the light for not shining in dark places it is our responsibility it is our mandate as believers to go and spread the good news to go and spread the gospel you are here for a reason You are here for a reason. This church is in this community right off the highway on this property for a reason. And it's not just to come together and play church every week. It's to be part of your serve days that you guys have. 
to be part of those backpacks. Man, every kid in Kansas City should have a backpack. Because there's a church in Lee Summit that has a heart for the community. I don't want you guys to feel discouraged leaving here today. I want you to feel inspired. I want you to feel challenged. That, man, I'm part of something greater. I'm part of something greater. And that's why I wake up every morning. That's why I wake up every morning. I'm not going to have this consumer mentality where I put all the weight on pastor to give us the word and and to, to feed me and I just get spiritually fat but I don't actually do anything with it. I'm not going to compare because I know who I am. I know who God created me to be. I don't have all the gifts. I don't have all the abilities. I don't have all the talents. Guess what? Neither do I. And that's what makes the body of Christ so beautiful is that we need one, one another in order to complete the body. And I'm not going to get stuck in complacency. And if those other two things happen, complacency won't even be an issue. Right? If you're actually being doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, if you're not comparing and you're actually using your talents and your abilities that God has given you, complacency is going to be a thing that's not even talked about any longer. Because we're going to be passionate believers who are reaching our community with the love of Jesus everywhere we go.